Welcome to episode 914 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 914 of I Am Talk with Coach John Euston and Bevan James Isles. Take two. Take two. And I'm still better than the guest we were supposed to have on today, which was Sonia Bracegirl. We had her on the phone just before, well, not on the phone, on the old Zoomeroonie-roo before we started. Zoomeroonie-roo. I love you. We're going to have a good old interview with her, but we've deferred that to next week because she was as sick as a dog, came on real fast today and could hardly speak, and we thought... I think we'll pass on that and we'll have a chat to you next week. So look forward to signing your brace girdle next week. Okay, so let's say thank you to our patrons. Our patrons, we have got Gavin, the walkabout wanderer Sutton. Michael, call me Sir Turner. And Nathan, the mighty mole Regan. And this take two version of I Am Talk, we're going to be doing some news. Uh, hot topic of the week, uh, pro of the week, high five. I'm going to do a bit of a section, the Bevan, Bevan's piece. Um, my first try, question, wingers and winger of the week in questions and answers. So let's fling into it. John, we've got Challenge Wanaka happened over the weekend and uh, wasn't a deep profile, but we had a good profile. We did. And on the female side, she got second place last year, was Alice Visser. This year she took the top spot, came out of the swim in fifth, bike through, spanked them on the bike, was you know about six and a half minutes quicker on the bike, uh, and then put in a decent run uh, to finish in four hours 34. Never an easy run when you're doing a one hour 33 for a half marathon, but there's a lot of elevation change, and it's pretty much, I'm pretty sure it's 100% off-road. Um, uh, Rebecca Clark was second, and Laura Sedell made a return to New Zealand after she hasn't been back since COVID. I think she skedaddled out of here just before COVID last time um, and she made a return to racing and she was in third place. Pretty close racing. She was only uh, just closing in on Rebecca Clark, got within about a minute or so but couldn't quite get there. So it was the female side of it and then on the boys' side, um, Kyle Smith had one of those days he said where everything goes right. Oh, don't you love those days? <laughs> and They're a rarity but when they happen... God, yeah. I love the sport. He'd been talking his chances down a bit because he'd had COVID and um, and I think he was supposed to be doing Tauranga. But anyway, uh, he's back in great form. And when he's on form, he is one of the better athletes around. Um, we've seen that in like the, P- the PTO race in Ibiza last year. He was you know, first for a, for a period there. He faded a bit but still had a pretty decent race. Um, so he just annihilated them and won by just over five minutes from Mike Phillips, who went through the race without a timing chip on, so um, couldn't really see his progress, but he was second. And then Jack Moody, who won our other one of our other big races here in uh, last month in Tauranga, he was in third place. So Kyle Smith, um, this time last year, he was doing, trying to make his... his back into short course and see if he could actually That's make right. the Olympics. Yeah. Um, so they had, the, on the Friday night down there, they had a, a sprint distance race. It was like an Oceania Cup type one. And last year he was involved in a sprint finish to the to the line. I think he got either second or third or something like that last year. Um, was going to give it a go, but he had, he's one of those athletes that his health is sometimes pretty frail yep. and he's sort of up and down like a bit of a yo-yo. So last year he um, he won 70.3 topo in December and then got a bit sick. But earlier in the year he'd, uh, you know, he 
got, got a win at 70.3 in Ireland and then he got ninth at the European PTO. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to his ranking after these last couple of races and if he can actually start moving up. But the current ranking is 45 and I saw in a post that he did that uh, he was sort of calling out the PTO in terms of trying to get wildcard spots for um, for races and he'll be one of those ones that if he gets a chance he'll just jump yeah. on it. And the thing about him, the thing about him is he's he's all balls to the walls, isn't he? Yeah, you know he, he doesn't mess around. It. Yep. Uh, and so it sounds like there's definitely going to be a few wild card spots opening up for the first race in Miami because pretty much all you, you think all the Olympic athletes maybe are going to be maybe only do one or probably only yeah, do one true. if you're lucky yeah. before the Olympics, yeah. then they'll just stack it and they'll do all the ones post-Olympics yeah. um, and they've got to do, I think, one less than everybody else. So there's definitely going to be some opportunities for these guys. You've got the contracted 20 athletes, but then there'll definitely be opportunities for others to come in and I think he will move heaven and earth to try to get to that start line wherever it might be. So good times down in Wanaka. Um, we're hoping, hoping they maybe move back into town next year. Hopefully, because I do think, not that I've been to the new venue, Mm. But I do think that town finish line experience is pretty special. And I saw a clip. I saw Tom Somerville who finished in seventh place, I think it was. And I saw him running down the finish shoot. He had a good, good day, reasonably good day at the office. A few things he wanted to still work on. But um, it was like nobody in the finishing yeah. shoot. Like when I say nobody, I'm making, but, there was like five kids doing a high five at the end. Yeah. Whereas when you're in town, if you're one of the, you know, he's finishing seventh place a year. He's a fair distance behind Kyle Smith. But if you're in town, there'd be a good number of people down that finishing shoot. Definitely. And you get the buzz as you're coming into town. Whereas out there, um, I'm sure there's still people around, but um, a lot less. Just on that, um, Ellie and Lily from the gym did really well. Ellie went away each group and Lily got sick. So I want to give them some love. So good week, girls. Okay, um, we're starting to see a bit of the plan for the pros. And it looks like some pros are definitely saying, or at least in the male side of things, uh, we've got Lalo, Diplev and Langer saying, no, Kona's we're number one. We're going to be doing a T100, but Kona's where my focus is. Mm. And, and Braden, No real surprise. No real surprise. People like Braden Curry as well, they've already said Kona's the, the big focus. Um, so those guys that have had Kona as a focus in the past or world champs as a focus, I think they're going to keep going down that path. They're sure as hell going to do the T100s. And, and I saw Magnus Ditlev doing a post the other day saying, yeah, I'm doing the T100s. I think they're really going to help my Ironman because you know I haven't done short course racing before. And this is sort of short course racing. So I think they'll be really, really good preparation. Um, but then he also said, you know, some of them I'll be training through them. So I'll be going racing. I'll go as hard as I can but I'm not going to really be tapering for every single race. Whereas when you have those, the, the guys that really are specialising and focusing on the season, not saying they're going to taper for every single one, but they'll probably focus on them a little bit more. A bit like when we spoke to Bradley Weiss last weekend, he was still on the fence if he was going to do Ironman. Um, but, you know, he's he, he's going to focus on the series a bit more. So the boys look like they're focusing on Kona. I'm just really interested to see what happens with the female side of it. Lucy Charles has already said that she's not going to race in Nice. And just the profile of Nice in the bike course, if you're not a great cyclist, I'd be thinking about focusing on something else potentially. You know what's a bit crap about that? No. Well... Great, great non like Kona doesn't work for every athlete. Either. Oh yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. But they still turn up. Go, mm. you know, like just because you know it's a world champs. Mm-hmm. You know, and she, she hasn't. I, s- I get why Lucy. I, I also get it. Yeah, and also now there is another competition. Mm. But you know, there's a lot of guys who would have been the world champion if it wasn't Kona. Mm, totally. You know, and so you, 
Oh, no, it's a bit funny. I'll just be interested to see if it's a widespread thing. Like Lucy Charles, if she if she wants to really win the T100, you've really probably, you do have to focus on it. If she wants to be beating the likes of um, Ashley Gentle, then she probably does need to be 100% committed to that. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, she's not, she's gonna, always going to lose time on the, the run to her, but she's not massive time. If she's 100%, yeah, she's got a, she's got a shot. Um, but I think for her, if she wanted to do Ironman and the T100 and try to win both, I think that would be very, very difficult to do. Um, so, yeah. One thing we talked about in take one of the show um, was, and I was just mentioning to John that it's going to be really interesting with Ironman, with T100 and PTO, is Ironman going to be losing sponsorship dollar in a way that's a concern for them? Mm. You know, and, and maybe maybe one thing we can say is maybe one of the motivations of getting the pros back to the race, you know, because they brought out their own little funded kind of series now so they're mm. going to reward the pros who do the Ironman racing and let's be honest Ironman racing is pretty piss poor now mm. outside of the world championships mm. even the championship races now are pretty piss poor mm. you know so T100 is going to take all the pros mm. you know wrote you know so Ironman's really only getting one great race a year and is that going to affect their long-term sponsorship dollar mm. and John earlier was mentioning well they've got a big database and it's like well sponsorships want pros and they want TV coverage. But the whole sponsorship landscape is changing. Like a lot of the big sponsors are pulling out, for, like they're not doing anything. Like mm. you know, you look at Specialized and companies like that, they're just dropping riders left, right and centre. Are they? Um, and so I don't know what their strategy is in terms of um, you know, aligning, whether it's aligning with pros or just going Well, what's really interesting, it's interesting, so the podcast discussion. So podcast is losing a lot of money. So podcast is really, as, as, a, as an industry, mm-hmm. is losing a huge amount of money. And there's two problems with podcasting. Um, you can't measure what your client base is mm-hmm. and you can't say exactly what they're doing. Whereas social mm-hmm. media, they just know everything about everyone. Mm-hmm. So um, that's happening. Um, and so a lot of dollars moving away. But what's happening is marketing dollars going massively to influencers. Mm-hmm. Influencers and social media. Yep. Those, those tend to be the two big, you know, and because influencers actually have massive power. Yeah. So when we think about influence, I'm just going to try to stay calm here. Yeah. <laughs> stay calm, deep, well, deep breaths. It's a different world, John. We just don't we don't live yeah. in that world. Now, um, we think about influencers. Mm. It's the athlete. Mm-hmm. It ain't the Ironman brand. Mm. You know, it, you might get a good story, but a good story is not an influencer. Lionel Sanders, mm-hmm. I guarantee he's making a lot of money on selling products through his social feed. Mm. You know, so when we think about sponsorship dollar. And I'm sure it's a big part of the Ironman's coffers has been the sponsorship dollar over the years. Mm. And even we think of the, the, the Ironman coverage, you know, the, the package nowadays, it doesn't get the same exposure it used to get. Not at all. You know, and so, it, uh, you know, it's just what's the cost of PTO to Ironman mm. and their sponsorship dollar in the long term. Mm. And, and I think it's probably going to be a big Not hit. just Ironman as well. It's like challenge. And like, you know, I'm thinking of, of Challenge Rope this year. It'll obviously be harder for them to draw a top, top, top field because athletes are focusing on the T100, yep. most of them have to go and do an Ironman somewhere to, yep. to validate, their, well, they have to go and do one somewhere to validate or qualify. Um, and so that's going to make it a lot harder for, for Rote, as awesome as it is, to, to get all the top pros there, I think. Because we'd say Rote would be the second best field nowadays in Ironman. Yeah, 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 in terms of, Quality and depth, you know, yeah. there's usually reasonable depth there. Yeah, normally, normally right. top ten is a good ten. It's not, it's not the like female Kona. field last year was stellar. Yeah. Uh, so yes, it's just yeah, just a changing, changing landscape. Okay. Uh, short course up again, John. 
another changing landscape there. Super oh, League nice uh, rebranding as Super Try. So very similar to what we saw with the PTO Tour. Uh, it used to be the PTO US Open and so on, and they've changed it to T100. Makes sense. Just, you know, that's the product is 100 kilometers long. Um, and Super League is, you know, diversifying into different events. They've bought the New York Triathlon. Uh, they've bought the Malibu Triathlon. Uh, they've got, there's a couple of others I think they're in on as well. Uh, and they're doing more than just the Super League Pro Series. So again, they want to be seen as a, I guess, a, a, an event organization for everybody, not just for the for the top pros. So yeah, not massively big news, not terribly surprising. I'd just like to see a bit like what we've requested from the PTO is uh, what the hell is actually happening this year because, we, we you know, Typically, their races are sort of September onwards once the World Triathlon Series is done dusted, um, or at the very end of it. Um, at the moment, there's no confirmation on any dates or locations, and um, yeah, normally we'd be seeing the arena game, the game starting to pop up, so maybe that's dead in the water as well. But from what I can see, uh, there's no no race announcements. Interesting to see. It'll be interesting to watch Super League over the next period. We're talking about so much competition, hard yeah. to get pros. Super League to me has the best type of racing, best product. Yeah, best product, but yeah. it's not got the field. No, you know. And if it could get the field, it'd be absolutely fantastic. But yeah, it's just not happening, John. It's just it's not, not happening. Okay, let's talk about. I was going to say sex, baby, but let's not. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about T one hundred. Okay, great. so uh, what course innovations or any sort of innovations would you like to see added to the race coverage uh, for the T one hundred series? That was the discussion of the week. So, John, you go first. I'll start at the bottom. Paul Fitzpatrick says, "Shrink the draft zone right down to say five to eight meters to maintain safety on TT bikes." But oh, so I guess he's saying there is you can't have people drafting when you're on TT bikes, um, but also allow for tighter packs. Then use Race Ranger to signal to riders that they have to pass after three to five minutes in that zone. That way, um, we get more interesting bike pack dynamics as groups are forced to move around each other consistently or constantly. I'm sure it would need some work, but it would be uh, a great way to avoid a large procession on the bike with riders so far apart they don't get a tow, but also don't have much chance of instigating a pass. The most powerful would still come to the fore over the race, and anything um, would be. If anything, this would just benefit them by closing the field, but also stop weaker riders from sitting in. Just a thought. Good old Robert uh, Beelin's got swim pool in Singapore. So otherwise, we see forty different. Did you athletes. say swim porn in Singapore? The swimming pool, pool swim, <laughs> swim, pool swim. Um, so he was talking. He actually sent us an email saying last year, the pro race we had. Quite a few pros getting sick after the swim, or they're assuming it was from the swim. Uh, so he's saying they mainly changed the swim. But you were saying last year, in the first, on take one of the show, um, that last year the pros did a different course to the age groupers, and the age groupers had no problem. So they might have to change the course. Yeah, who, who knows? It uh, may have been a water quality issue. It may be something they all ate if they all went out for dinner, this sort of pre-race. So, so who knows? But I'm sure that will be on the agenda this year to make sure the water quality is uh, is good. Uh, so, yeah, the Singapore course, I hope they can keep it the same because it was such a cool race from a visual spec, you know, from visual side of it, just seeing them swim across that harbour and um, just looked awesome. And by all accounts, the crowds were 
fantastic and a lot better than what it looked like on the, the TV footage. Um, Sarah Butcher says, I didn't really like the lapped courses in Ibiza and Milwaukee. The hill on the latter helped split up the race and make it interesting, but Ibiza just seemed to be a procession. Uh, it only got interesting on the run, although I guess laps make it easier for the TV coverage. Good old Steve Diodonis got signed a contract. You sign a contract, everyone wears a GPS during a swim, bike and run. We're a heart rate monitor as well. None of the five minute leg of Athlete X going 40 kilometers when they're climbing on a hill on the screen. If one can do it, you can do it. Another sort of F1 angle here that I don't quite understand because I don't know what he's talking about, but Jared Crump says battle predictions, like F1 does a battle predict projection in four laps time. So I guess what they're doing is they're projecting how long is it going to take for, say, Magnus Ditlev to catch up to Sam Laidlow. You know, they're going to be, based on these times, he's going to be catching him in three laps. So you're kind of speculating what might happen and if it doesn't happen, um, you know, why not and so on. So, um, yeah, predictive analysis based on GPS and live pace. Arnold's got a big, fat, effing hard course with 3,000 metres of climbing, some nasty turns on the bike and a lap run with sand, gravel and road mix. Can't wait to see long running in sand. We were saying earlier that uh, it's interesting that we don't have a really hard course within the, in the series. It would be nice to have just a bit, like, a bit of a a bit of a killer at one stage. It would. So if we look at the courses, first up we've got Miami. That's going to be a flat course. Um, we've got Singapore following on from that. Oh, wait, this announcement, I haven't seen this one that's come out. Oh, here um, we go. Just hold on. So Singapore is the next one. Third one, I thought this was coming out, but I uh, didn't know it was an official. The Escape from Alcatraz Triathlon. They're doing. They're holding uh, the race there on the 8th and 9th of June. I haven't seen wait, 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 the T100. T100. So it's going to be a part of that race. Yes, yeah, so they're going to oh, do great. it. So that will be a tough little course. Um, Where do they ride on that? Because it's pretty pretty hilly going out of well, Singapore. It's really lumpy. So yeah. I guess they'll just do laps of what the Escape from Alcatraz Triathlon does. So they'll do the swim from Alcatraz yep. in, which I, off the top of my head, I think it's roughly 1,500 metres or s somewhere in that sort yep. of range. So that'll be cool. Then they'll do laps of what's a really tough little course. And then I don't know what they'll do on the, the run. So that's cool. So that will be a tough course. Um, they've got London. That's going to be flat. Ibiza, we saw that last year, pretty flat. Las Vegas, I'm not really sure about that, but it's not going to be um, gigantic. You go to Dubai, uh, that'll be flat, and the grand finale, which is going to be somewhere in the Middle East, um, unless they get really innovative there, that's going to be uh, flat. Why don't we get the, the guys over there, the Saudis, to build, build a bloody big hill for us, right yeah, next to the swimming venue. That's, that's, that's <laughs> Just put it on good. the list. <laughs> Buy a few more litres of petrol. There we go. Um, <laughs> Righty-ho, another one I'll do. Uh, who else have we got in there? I'll go Mick Simpson. If someone falls off the back of the pack, they get the Jaws music playing with some earbuds to make them swim faster. It's coming to get you. We're still recording the Bevan. We're not going to take three. No, no, we're, we're on. Good. We're on. That's good. Uh, righty ho. I had quite a few thoughts on this. I was doing, thinking about it yesterday. So, first thing is do we want consistency to help with the understanding of the sport or not? Because there was a couple of good suggestions in there. I think Jeremy Hopwood had one where you maybe go swim, run, bike, run, um, which is great. Or do we just want to stick with the, the swim, whatever it is, what is it, what's swim, 2K, um, bike, 80K, run 18, and just do the same thing every race so everybody understands what the hell is going on. Very much like what they do at World Triathlon is just keep that consistency. 
or do we want to spice things up a bit? And I think I'd prefer the latter for at least some of the races. So I think like doing a double a double distance race, um, you know, twice through like Olympic would be really cool. So you're still doing the same distance. So it wouldn't be quite twice an Olympic. Oh, so you really want to chop and change. So you'd go 1K swim, 40K bike, 9K yep. run. And you, you always want to keep that 100K distance. But I think doing a double one, like we see in Super League, is going to just make things move around quite a bit more in the race. You know, It's not going to settle in like we sort of see on the bike quite so much. Um, when they come in off that, that first run, you know, you are going to get the good swimmers sort of moving through the field. And uh, I don't know, I think it'll work quite well. Um, and I am intrigued, I don't know if I want it to happen, but to have a draft legal race somewhere... Um, I don't know. Wouldn't it be a ball fest? I think it probably would, but we just don't know. Because if you got, you know, a breakaway going, you know, say you had someone like a Vincent Louis and a Sam Laidlow, somebody else who's a really good swimmer who are good bikers, and they just commit on the bike for yeah. for a breakaway, and then you get the, the second pack and they start faffing around a bit, and you might get a Magnus Ditlev sort of ride up to them, but does he ride and then just pull that whole pack along? It would be interesting to see. I don't know what it'd be like, but it would be interesting. A bunch of other things I had So down. you want to see more innovation in the way they do the racing, not totally. just same, it's, same it's, stuff. I reckon it's going to get a bit boring if we see the same thing every race. Um, much like Formula One's quite boring because yep. it ends up being pretty similar. Well, the problem with Formula One is the same winner. Yeah. There's no competition. Mm. So we've got to think of ways we can make this a little more engaging because I the run's usually pretty good. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you always go back to NRL. So NRL's massively booming right now. And the reason is, is the guy who's the head of the game said, come and make it entertaining for the fans. Mm. What do you do to make it entertaining? Everything. We're speeding up the game. We're making it, you know, blah, 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 blah. And the, it's worked. Mm. Like, the, the people are loving NRL right now. Like, we almost argue the Warriors are the most popular team in New Zealand right now. Mm. Um, and, you know, like, again, it's, it's sport is entertainment. They're playing Vegas uh, for the yeah. opening round, yeah. which is going to be interesting. Yeah, but, you know, like, they, they're trying stuff. They do, mm. you know, they just make it. One of my mates is going to Magic Round. They do a round where every every team plays in the same game, same place for a weekend. It's like, he's just like, what's entertainment? What's entertainment? Mm. How do we make it entertaining? You know, sure, you, they're playing the sport, but... It's bloody um, windy out there today. Mate, yesterday was 10 times. Oh, Jeez, it was, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I've broken down swim, bike and run, what I think they could do, and I'm sure they'll be doing some of these things. In the swim, have swim-coloured caps, which they do, obviously do a lot of events, but keep it the same every time. So you know when Lucy Charles turns up to race, she's wearing a gold swim cap or whatever. Um, keep the oh, swim yeah, caps nice. the same. Cool. Because there's only 20 in the field, you can have 20 different coloured swim caps I don't know some of them will be similar, but you can have twenty different yeah, colours. Yeah, big number on it as well. Yeah. Why don't the numbers on top of the head? I don't even figure that out. Uh, yeah, you kind of want it almost on the back. Yeah, well, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There's another innovation. Say thank you. That's my yeah. innovation because they're always on the side. Yeah. Well, you kind of want them on the back. Yeah. And on the side, you want them bloody everywhere. So, so the camera, when they're looking down, you go, "Oh, that's okay." So and so. It's because it's very hard to pick swimmers in there. So colour caps, numbers all over it. And I would like to see a three-lap swim. Two-lap swims are good, but it's far enough where you can do a three-lap swim. So what, 666 metres per lap? Because whenever you come out of the water, it's just a bit more engaging. You can see exactly where people are at. It's a chance to make a little bit of a breakaway. So that's my swim innovations. Okay. Um, bike. Uh, onto the bike. Uh, yeah, don't know about a draft legal race. Um, one thing that... I would love to see World Triathlon do is to have a bike cams on in the in the packs and just see it's really cool if you somebody has a bike camera on uh, 
in cycling races and you see what the hell's yeah. going on. It's like, does it do well, much in, in, on the tours? No, they don't. They so don't. I'm not quite sure why. Um, I, but I think in this T100 series, it probably wouldn't actually be very interesting. Okay. Um, the fastest, I'd like to see a fastest lap on the bike and, and getting some reward with it. We don't really like the short shoot you know, that we see in Super League. So I'm not sure the reward should actually be within the race, but it might be you get two bonus points in the series or something along so those it's, lines. So it's worth it's taking a risk for. It's significant enough to yep. go, I'm going to give, give a nudge here on one of these laps. But And if that, you know, it might not help you in the race, but it might mean at the end of the series, yep. you, your extra $10,000 or something like that. It's, yep. it's got to be worthwhile going for it, not just a, a stat for the sake of having another stat. Um a lot of people sort of said stats to help the commentators who are seeing big movers in the field, so I definitely like that. One thing that I was thinking of, and I don't know how this would work, in Formula 1 you have this thing called the DRS zone, and in certain parts of the course, if you're within one second of the car in front of you, then uh, the flaps in the back of your car can open up and you become more aerodynamic, and so you're able to make much better chance of getting a pass. You know, your speed okay. differential is and quite And it's only on a certain part of the course? Certain parts of the course, you've got to be within one second, and then there's certain parts of the course where the flaps will open up, and boom, you can go past them. So trying to think somehow how you might be able to do that in a race, and I was thinking, you know, would you be able to bike up to somebody and draft off for a certain amount of time to kind of regroup, and then go past them. I just think some sort of little innovations, and with Race Ranger, some of these things are sort of becoming possible. Yep. It would get, get would get a little bit confusing, um, and I just don't know how it works, but we've got to do something about the bike to try to make it more interesting and, and dynamic, I think, because watching athletes just TT around is not the most exciting thing to do. Mm. Um, in, the, the, in the E version of Formula One, E1, e whatever it's called, um, oh yeah, they actually have a booster. Mm. They like have a booster button. They're allowed to use like four times in the race or something mm. like that. Mm. Now, obviously, you can't do that on a bike, but no, it's like a video game kind of thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, but that, uh, you know, you, I don't think you're allowed to slip, um, slingshot in in these events. And again, that's just giving the passing rider a bit more of a chance to get past. Yeah. Like so, slingshotting is when you bike straight up behind somebody, you go straight into the draft zone, you can stay in that draft zone until you're right on the wheel and then you pull out and, and you slingshot past. It gives you a better chance to get through. So I just think some things like that, we just need to think about making more passes happen more often so it's a bit more of a spectacle. It'd be quite cool to have the athletes mic'd up on the bike. I, you couldn't obviously do it in the swim no. um, and I don't think it'd be practical to do it on the run but if athletes had some sort of mic inside their helmets um, where they can communicate with coaches or with um, with managers or whatever, I don't think you'd probably get the... What, what they do, again, what they do in Formula 1, the drivers aren't communicating with the commentators but they're communicating with their team and sometimes the, the race coverage sort of gets snippets of that sort of stuff. Would it be as good, but because in Formula 1 it's such a fast-moving sport where the team's a big part of the tactical, component. Yeah. Whereas in triathlon it's like, like yeah, but you might, hold your power. Yeah, or you might go, right, your gap's down to 3.30, you're like, right, push this lap or something. They're gonna, it's, I don't know. you just got to think of, of things to just Give keep, it a keep us engaged. Yeah. Um, I think when the athletes finish the bike ride, 
having somebody down there grabbing their bike computers as soon as they're done to try to get their data so you've got something to talk about on the run would be quite cool. Um, and instead of have just having straight up heart rate and power numbers, we need to have percentages because putting somebody's heart rate up there doesn't is a complete yeah. waste of time. It doesn't mean anything. Um, if someone's going at 140 beats, they might be working really hard. If someone's going 160, that might actually be very hard for them. So we need to know percentages of uh, max and percentage of sort of FTP or something along those lines. And then the final one on the bike is thinking about your course design and having some narrow sections where you have hot spots where you really try to get the big crowds, much like what they do in Rote. You have the Solarberg Hill. Just have those isolated spots where you really get the crowd because we're not going to get crowds lining the whole streets all the way around the course, but just try to have some spots where it's going to be really cool and you're going to get some good footage. The athletes are going to get pumped up and maybe you have some sort of bonuses again for that stretch, you know, going up the Solarberg Hill, who can have the fastest time going up there or something along those lines. We don't want to make it gimmicky, but we've got to do something to keep it interesting. Mm. And then the run, the only thing I can think on the run, the runs um, is, again, maybe do a fastest lap. We could do half lap with the old shoes, half lap with the new shoes. Mm. <laughs> you have a transition yeah. of shoes yeah. halfway through. Yeah. And you, get, you, get, you get 5K with the new shoes, and you can choose any time in the race. You have them on the side of the road. Yeah. <laughs> you have to choose when you want to put your shoes on. So um, th- you can guarantee PTO uh, are going to be on to doing as many things as they can. Just can't make it too gimmicky. Which So you're on a fine line but you've got to make it meaningful enough that it's worth the athlete to, to, to do a fastest I think we're, I think as fans, what we've got to say is we, we want you to try. So mm. even if they try some gimmicky stuff and it doesn't work, mm. throw some mud at the wall. Mm. You know, because, again, it's got to be entertaining. If we can make it entertaining, some of the stuff John's throwing at here, some of the stuff guys have Peter put on Facebook, you know, obviously we've got, they've got great triathlon minds within the organisation. Mm-hmm. And they can kind of sit down and say, okay, we're trying to make an entertaining package, which is great for racing. What are the things that we can try? Mm. They're really good. You've got a clean slate. You've got the opportunity. Yeah. You know? What's the worst that can happen? You just don't try it next time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, This week's discussion. I like this one. When you are racing... Oh, hold on. My week... Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you go. No, I was jumping ahead. You were were on track. I was trying to jump ahead. Very good. Very good. Uh, When you are racing, what do you like to hear from spectators and what do you not like to hear? Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I did Ironman New Zealand, there was always a guy, he must have been a local guy, and he always stood on the same corner. I did I mean New Zealand maybe four times. Yeah. Um, and this guy was always he just go because you have your, your name on your thing or whatever or your number. He just go, mate, you can do this. You got this. And he just kind of sit in the <laughs> same corner every year. Like he's your mate. So. Yeah. And he just yeah. did it in a way that was calm. He's like, mate, you can do this. You got this. Yeah. And and mate. I, I still remember that guy to this yeah. day. He was an old guy, he had a moustache, you know, he kind of looked a bit like Sam, um, who's the guy who was in that movie Mask years ago with the with the husky voice? Oh, he was mm-hmm. in, oh, anyway, iconic actor. Yeah. A bit like him. And, uh, you know, I was like, I love that guy, mate, Yeah, you can do this. Uh-huh. And then I'd run off and go, yeah, I believe I can. Some days I didn't, some days I did, but anyway. Okay, so it's uh, what do you like to hear and maybe what do you not like to hear from the spectators? Okay, John's John. quiz question. What is Meredith Kessler's best Kona performance? The start list for Ironman New Zealand came out uh, last week. We'll talk She's about still it. Good. Yeah, we'll talk about it but next week because Ironman New Zealand is coming up. She's on the start list again. She 40 loves years. coming out here. Uh, 40 years, yep. Um, I think she's a little bit older than I'd say she's no no, no the race is 40 yeah I know but I think yeah. she's sort of in that range yep. but she has had some 
beast performances at a bunch of races around the world, particularly in New Zealand and other races in America. Um, but what's her best performance in Kona? I'm really interested in that one because I'm pretty sure she had one really good race. But we'll find out later on in the show. Okay, let's go into pros of the week. Now, I was I've been having this uh, this topic listed in our show notes for probably about uh, these pros these pros for about four weeks now since the T100 series got announced because I was thinking who was like the first athlete to probably miss out on a contract? Yep. Because as we heard last week with Bradley Weiss, you missed out on a contract, that's likely a significant amount of money that you've missed out on. And when I did this originally, the first athletes that I could see that had missed out on the female side was Sarah True, and on the boys' side, it was Mino Kulhas. So I thought we'd just have a quick look at that. Sarah True, because that's interesting, eh? You would have picked her, she was really close, obviously. Well, at the moment, she's ranked um, 16th. Yeah. But when they d- obviously did their calculations, she was... 21st. Uh, no, I don't know. Well, they did two... When they did the calculations, they had two dates. Okay. Um, I can't remember exactly how they did it. But anyway, she's currently ranked 16th and she missed out on it. So she didn't do a great deal of racing last year. She's um, a mum, but she finished 8th in Hawaii. She finished 9th at the PTO Asian Open, 1st at Ironman Frankfurt and 4th at Chattanooga. So... Her points races came from Frankfurt, Hawaii, and the PTO Asian Open. So, yeah, she just missed out. Um, However, I suspect that maybe she wouldn't have taken a slot, potentially. She's 42 years old, um, and she's also got a child. I I think she's only got one child. Um, And I know she was studying and stuff as well. She might have been at a stage in her career where... You don't want to be traveling around the world to eight different locations. Um, I'm not quite sure. And she has sort of focused a bit more on the iron distance over the last few years. She's a top quality athlete, Sarah True. She's been around for a long, yeah. long time. Um, she's did 110 starts at World Triathlon events. She finished uh, 22 podiums and six wins. Uh, she went to the Olympics a couple of times. I remember she was... Um, did really well in London and Rio. She had a shocker in Rio. Um, but in London, I reckon she was probably about fifth or something like that. Uh, what year was London? 2012, wasn't it? The Olympics? Yeah. London Olympics. She was fourth. Yep. Yeah, she was fourth. So uh, I think she just beat out Andrea Hewitt. There was a bunch of them running together on the run. So in her day, she was a great athlete. Um, she will be well remembered for... The collapse she did yeah. in Ironman Frankfurt That's a few right. years ago yep. um, and having to battle through all sorts of races to get to Kona that particular year. But as it stands at the moment, um, she missed out on a slot for the PT or for the for the T100 series. May still see her doing a few of them, but she was at the time the first female to miss out. Okay, so it's the female, and who's the male? On the boys' side, and I, this went a bit crazy, because when the T100 series got announced, you sort of, the, the, the athletes, there was like loads and loads and loads of comments from the Dutchies who got on and said, why is Mino Kulas, and I probably pronounced that wrong, not on this list, not, yep. a, not getting a contract, because he's currently ranked 
19th. I'm not sure where he was ranked at the time when the cutoffs were done. Um, he's 28 years. He's from the Netherlands. Uh, and he swims in a Dubua. He bikes on a Caddick. So he's one of the few athletes that I've seen riding that same bike that Christian Blumenfeld um, rides. And he's sponsored by Nike for, for the run. Last year, in terms of his racing, um, he won Challenge Almera. Um, he won Challenge... Gerardsbergen, uh, and he finished 10th at the 70.3 World Champs. Um, so yeah, just missed out on the rankings. And again, he comes from a bit of a short course background, weapon on the run, weapon in the swim. So he's currently ranked 14th in the swim, 23rd on the run, but his biking sucks a big one, uh, relatively <laughs> speaking. Uh, he is only 107th out of the World Triathlon rankings on the bikes. So he can swim and run, but... Uh, is still struggling a bit on the bike. Um, still relatively new to the long course game, done a lot of short course racing. Um, so yeah, he'll be one of those, he's not young when he's 28, but guys that just miss out on the series, but I'm sure he'll try to jump at the opportunity if he gets one. Good times. So those are our pros of the week. week. Okay, let's go do one, two, three, four, high five. five. John wants to rent. So what happened, John? Oh, so yeah. Here we go. Yeah, get out this morning. So my alarm goes off five o'clock pretty much every day. Uh, sleeping. Not, not so much at the weekends. Um, but what have I done there? What have I done? Um, uh, go up at five o'clock this morning. My usual routine. We need to be in the car at about 5 5.19. Yep. Takes us about seven, Okay, wait a second. Here we go. Seven to eight minutes. We've got, we've got time to today. So you wake up, what do you do? Five o'clock alarm goes off. Until 18 minutes past, what are you doing? Go for a wee. Yep. Uh, get a glass of water. You don't eat. Don't eat before before swimming, uh, and that's my sort of routine. So you eighteen minutes to go for a wee, get a glass of water. No, gotta, I've got to wake up. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Wee, glass of water, sit down at my computer, think about what we're going to do for the swim set. I always write the swim set up that morning. Okay. Um, so that takes a few minutes to write that down. If my writing's my uh, my writing is embarrassingly okay. shocking, that's it's good. terrible. Yep. So if it looks shit, then I'll write again. <laughs> Don't do that very often. Uh, write the swim plan. And then I'll generally just clear a couple of emails if I can. And then I usually look at BBC. Uh, website? Website, just for some quick... Why BBC? Of, yeah, it's just, just the one like you go it. to. And it's just, um, yeah, it's, I'd like to think it's pretty impartial. Yep. <laughs> Maybe it's not, but it's, uh, it's not slanting it one way or the other too much. Plus a good sport and good world news. Yep. New Zealand doesn't do so good on the world news. No, uh, no. So then, and then I might look at stuff and I might look at Facebook or something like that yep. just basically counting down the clock just need to wake up a little bit and Tommy's getting up. what time does Tommy get up he gets up before me he has toast and he farts around and he <laughs> complains about and my wife the Wi-Fi being turned off and he can't look at, I've got a new Wi-Fi thing and it won't turn on until 7.30 in the morning like you've got an iPad there what just look at something on that <laughs> you hate me you're ruining my life uh, so deal with that it's pretty much every day and <laughs> And so this morning, <laughs> yeah, it's the same popped up on Facebook that got me fired up. We got a Vol Volker the Vascular Viking Voigt. Yep. Um, he, I think he did, I think it was Muscat 70.3 or Martin 70.3. There was some race in the Middle East at the weekend. Um, must have been age group only, no pros. And he posted something and there was just a group of cyclists going through on the bike and it was just taking the piss. They were drafting like, literally 50 centimetres between wheels and they all had the all had the big game faces on and smashing it and it's in a, in a triathlon race in a 70.3 and I'm like 
I get it. Sometimes you get stuck in packs. It's yep. really hard to get out of the situations. I understand. But when you're on the bars and you're sitting at 50 centimetres, you can just piss off because you can make more of an effort than that to not be drafting. Um, so I got pretty fired up about that because, uh, and so I thought, We've got to fill some content here with poor old Sonia being sick today. Things we need to rid of our sport. Okay. Don't know how we're going to do this on some of them, but the number one is blatant drafting. Yep. Like, as, as John was saying, sometimes you get caught in a pack, it's hard. Yeah, and too many people on the field that. get it. But if you're stuck in the world yeah. and you know you're trying to just get an advantage, get out of our sport. Yeah, totally. Bugger off. And if you're one of those people who's doing that at the moment, piss off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really fires me up. Um, and I think, you know, if, if Race Ranger can get to that point where they can produce and make it affordable for race organisers to, to have these devices on there, I think that everyone's going to find out there's a lot of people drafting. Yeah. But can we nip those people in the butt that are just taking the absolute piss? Yeah. If someone's sitting at five metres or seven metres or ten metres and they're stuck in a group, I'm not making excuses for them. I get it. But if someone is sitting at one metre for extended periods, it's like, you're out of here. Okay, number two is abusing officials or volunteers, even if they are in the wrong. Yeah, totally. We had, I had an instance um, at a race a couple of weeks ago um, where somebody was talking to one of my volunteers in a way that I was not thrilled yeah, about. And you can see both sides of the story, but it's like there's no place in it, in, it, in all sport. Any abuse of officials or volunteers, it's like, you're out of here. Yep. yep. Gone ski. Okay, number three is men speeding up when passed by women. <laughs> this happens all the time. And the ego hurts. The ego hurts. And I saw when, somebody when, take when, a um, Who was the legend um, from Sweden who passed you on the run? In which race? Kona, in about 2005. Who in Kona 2005? Oh, Natasha Badman. When she Sweden. passed you, did you speed yeah. up? Uh, yeah, I should, have got, I should have got beaten out. I didn't go in front past her though. I thought you'll be good to pace off, so I sat behind her. Yeah. Not for and actually, I didn't stay there very long. Yeah. Uh, so no, I, I would say I'm not guilty of this. I I would say that I'm guilty of maybe speeding up, but certainly not passing. Yeah. But it, it basically, men speeding up and then passing a woman, whether it be in training or in racing, particularly in training, just because uh, a female's passed you. Yeah. Yep. You're out. Yep. You're out. <laughs> <laughs> too many people at events. Uh, more than 3,000 people is too many people at what? Long course? Long course races. Let's not get greedy race organisers. 3,000 is more than adequate for you to be able to make a buck out of a race. And if you start putting more than that on a, on a course, it's just going to get overcrowded. Then drafting becomes an impossibility and it just becomes a big palaver. So race organisers, more than 3,000. You're Get out. out. <laughs> Last one. <laughs> this is interesting. Separating the world champs. No, uh, actually, I want to. This is what we need to get rid of: is separate world champs, men and women. That's what I mean. Uh, so you're saying bring them back together? Bring them back together. Share the love. I hear both sides of the story, but I want it to be everybody together. I'm not so, so strong on that one. The other ones. Wait, wait all, a second. Go back to that. Yeah. Split days, or same race? Uh, same race, same day. Different start times. Different start times. Make it a full day event. Uh, in a perfect world, what I would say is you have age groupers starting as early as possible, like crack a dorm when that sun has like one centimetre above yep, the... They're in. They're, they're in. And then see if you can have the pros somehow. Uh, eight, 
do it later on. Like not eight, like I'm talking midday or something like that. Oh, really? Some, if, if you can configure it that, that way, that the pro the age groupers will be clearing off the course somehow. Pra- well, maybe well, practical summer. Well, it's not saying all. that, you know, like if you start at 12, you know, the top pros are going to be in by eight seven o'clock at night, seven, seven or eight. Seven, yes, yeah. it's closer to seven yeah, these yeah, days. eight or nine. So, and if you're over nine hours, you kind of... It's probably not practical. The more that I think of it, it's probably not practical to do it because then you've got, you know, you have slower age groupers on the course and you've got pros going. But I'm just, maybe it's more age groupers slow. one day, pros the run. next day. They don't need to be on the run. Yeah, but then it gets a bit confusing. And if a, a, a slow age grouper is going through an aid station, a pro is coming through yeah, running enough. a 3.30, maybe not. It'd be nice to have it separate, but I would like to see the men and women world champs, um, same location, get it all back together. Let's be a family. Okay, there's the high five. Recorder still working, Bevan? Yep, take three is not happening. Take three is not happening. <laughs> We've got this cool recorder. It's really great. It's called the Zoom H6 Handy Recorder. It's really great because you've got four channels. You can control it. It's really good. For some reason, my my SD cards it's not liking, and uh, I bought a new SD card, mm. and it was played up today. But we're working now, so that's the main thing. Okay, let's go into Bevan section. section. No, you're not sure. Then I was gonna say, yeah, geez, you're yeah. fast. Yeah. Okay, so so I have this concept called when we try to create change, we go back to default, and. Um, what is default? So default is the behaviors we currently have. Mm-hmm. And often in life, what we have is we we have moments where we want to create change around something we do. Really good example is a mental prep before a session. Mm-hmm. How many people actually stop and do mental prep? Very few. Very few. Is it valuable to do mental prep? Mm. Would you train better? Totally. Would you get better results? Mm. So it's a good idea. And it's one of those things where even people listening to this right now, you might be going, yeah, I should do mental prep before a session. Mm-hmm. So Or stretching. Mm-hmm. You know, so many athletes don't do body care work. So it's that thing of, and what happens is there's a moment where people think I need to shift. So it might be a moment of inspiration because I want to become a better athlete. So I'm going to put a mental prep tool in place. It might be a moment of fear. My injury is a problem for me. So I've got to put body care work in place. Mm-hmm. And what people tend to do at that moment is they tend to try to shift their behaviors. And they can do it for a moment of time, but often mm-hmm. what happens is they shift back to their default. And default is what's the current thing that you do, okay? Mm-hmm. So the current thing I do around my training is, is kind of get up on a Monday, get up at 5 o'clock, mm-hmm. get out of the door by 5.15, or 5.18, sorry. Yeah. Get to driving though. Yep, listen to Tommy moan about Wi-Fi. <laughs> so oh, Tommy's driving now. Yeah, well, if he's driving, we're, we need to have allow for an extra one to two minutes, uh-huh. whereas if I'm driving... <laughs> Just so you're allowed sure to speed, are you? Yeah. So, um, so and, and it was really interesting because this is the kind of something I've always thought about. And it's, it's a really good example from my life. I'm pretty good at creating change and sticking to it. But one example I have is my cup of tea habit. And I may have talked about this on the show. Let me know if I have. So I drink a cup of coffee. My, my cup, the my cups. Big cups. It's probably a litre and a half of water, really, <laughs> yeah. in my cup. So, or at least a litre. It's, it's probably a litre. So I have a big cup of coffee hmm. in the morning, a big cup of coffee at night. Oh, sorry, tea at night. And traditionally, I'd have a big cup of tea in the middle of the day. But the problem mm-hmm. is, I probably have a litre of milk because mm-hmm. I've got a bit of milk in each other. So I wanted to reduce my milk consumption a little bit. Mm. So the idea was I wanted to go to ginger tea and some honey at lunchtime. Mm-hmm. So I'm removing that milk component. So, well, cheap as creepers, I found it hard. <laughs> it was it was really interesting how I just naturally wanted to go back to having my normal cup of tea, mm-hmm. and it was it took me a lot of effort to actually create a new habit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, th- and this is this concept of we have a baseline habit that we know, 
And when we want to change it, we can have moments of creating change, but we go back to the default habit. Mm -hmm. So again, it's I should stretch, I should do my mental prep, whatever. So I think the first thing to say is, actually, let me go back to where I was here. The first thing to say is, if we're trying to, if we want to create a change, we actually want to create long-term change. Yep. You know. Yep. So if you say, I would be a better athlete with mental prep session. I want to make that a long-term habit that I do forever. Mm. Or if having a body care routine in my training week was going to make me a better athlete, I don't just want to do it two or three weeks and then go back to my default. I actually want to create long-term change. So I, so there's kind of a few steps I want to talk about here. And, and the kind of concept is, is how do I make create long-term change, not just go back to default after good intentions and moment of change? So the first thing is, is what habit are we trying to change? So the first thing you want to explore is, okay, I want to get better at mental prep. Okay, so so the habit I want to change is to put 10 minutes in before every session or my A sessions each week where I'm going to do some mental prep work before I do my session. Okay, so that might be three sessions a week. The habit I want to change is, is to book in 10 minutes and have a process I'm going to go through that's going to get me in a good emotional state, get me focusing on the right thing, seeing the defining moments. Now define it clearly. So really, so what I did there, I didn't just say I want to have a mental prep. Mm. I defined clearly exactly what I wanted to do. So, so you could even go into more detail. So it could be I'm going to put a song on that I know is emotionally going to get me charged so I get myself in an emotional state. I've got a series of questions I'm going to explore and I have some mindset work that I'm going to put in place in that. So it's not just I want to do a mental prep session. Mm. You're actually defining what the process will be within that. Mm -hmm. So... Again, body care work. Okay, so I want to do body care work. Okay, what is it? Okay, well, when I watch the news at night, as soon as sport comes on, I'm going to get on the floor and I'm going to get my massage gun and I'm going to work through these five stretches every time I'm watching the news. Mm -hmm. So it's not just I want to create the habit, you're creating the process you want to do when you're in that. Um, I like the idea of setting objectives. Mm -hmm. So um, what is the objective of doing this? So the objective of doing this is to, to get myself to that state. Um, I, I, I use a lot of objectives. So people talk about writing lists for your day. Mm. I write lists and objectives. Mm -hmm. So I want to play my piano, but I want to get this out of my time playing my piano. So that's just something you can add to that. Um, what are the actions you're practicing? Is kind of what I just talked about before. What are my setup practices? So what I'm talking about here is... I love this idea of what are the setup behaviors. So, for example, here's a good example of that. I know I function well if I get seven hours of good sleep. Mm -hmm. I don't need more. Um, seven mm -hmm. hours is enough for me. Okay, so what are my setup behaviors of getting seven hours of sleep? Well, it's to go to bed at 8.30. Mm -hmm. It's to leave my phone out of my bedroom. It's to pick up my Kindle as soon as I get to bed and then read and I'm asleep within 15 minutes. So those are the setup actions that help me get eight hours of sleep. So when we think about your setup actions for your process, it might be, okay, I know that I'm going to be doing my A session Saturday morning at 7.30. I'm going to set an alarm for 7.20 that's mm -hmm. got my list of the things I'm going to do in my, in my mental prep process. So what I'm doing is I'm setting myself up to actually do the process you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or I might set that alarm to go off when the, you know, I know sport's going to be on TV at, at 7.40 or 6.40 mm -hmm. when I'm watching news. So that's where, so it's almost like what's the behavior I do that reminds myself I'm going to do this, mm. these steps. So what would be the setup tool that you'd want to put? Alarms are really good ones. Yep. Um, I have an eight o'clock alarm for my stretching. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, that's a great example of it. Okay, then um, learn your resistance. 
And early on when we're trying to do a good behavior, we're kind of pretty good. Mm. But then what happens is we start to find resistance. So one of my resistance with the cup of tea at first was, come on, be a your next bit of milk's not going to kill you. Mm. You're like, I'm a really healthy person. What, mm. what, what are you worried about this? So that was creating resistance to a habit because at the end of the day, if I had the normal cup of tea, I'm probably going to be all right. And using the stretching example, it'd be once you're back in the game and you're healthy and yeah. body care, sweet, and then you... We see this a lot of injuries, don't we? People mm. get to a point where they think they're okay their body still needs to work, but they think they're okay. Mm. So that's a resistance. Sometimes the resistance is just, I can't be bothered. Mm. So what you're trying to do is to learn the thing that's pulling you away from the habit. So And, and that's a real personal experience. Um, but if you can learn what that is, then you can develop your strategies around that. Mm. So And this is a really important thing. So then once you've... Once you've learnt what your resistance is, so it might just be laziness, it might be can't be bothered, it might be uh, I think I'm good enough now, it might be you know what's actually not that important. So you're trying to learn those resistant points, and then you're developing your strategies. Okay, so when I feel resistance because I'm feeling lazy, what are the things I'm going to do to still make sure I act? Mm. So it might be okay, I'm just going to say to myself, you know what, you still need to stretch, but you might only do ten minutes instead of twenty minutes tonight. Mm-hmm. Now, often what happens is once you start, you do your mm. 20 minutes. So it's that kind of removing the barrier to Get starting. Get off the couch, grab the, court, court, the stretching cord or whatever it is, and you're away. Yep. It might be you tell your partner, hey, I'm feeling a bit lazy tonight. They say, well, look, I'll stretch with you. Mm. So uh, the thing I always go back to is you're an intelligent person. Mm. And what most people, like we're all intelligent people, we can all problem solve. Like when you have a friend in your life who's got a big problem, you can solve their problem, can't you? Mm, straightforward. Yeah, because it's them, not you. Mm. And so what we've got to do is we've got to go to problem solving the real problem we have. And so if you can understand your resistance, then what you can do is you're going to go, okay, okay what should I be practicing my strategy around my resistance? Now, it doesn't mm. mean you're always going to get it right. But the more you learn how to overcome that strategy or apply that strategy, the more you'll actually overcome that resistance, which ultimately means you'll move away from it. Um, you're not, uh, you're aiming to be, I don't even know what I wrote there. Um, <laughs> learn when default comes back. So that's kind of like resistance again. Yeah. So learn when default comes back and then how do you make sure you stick to it? And then ultimately what you're doing is you're trying to learn to be 90% good at it. There's always going to be moments when you don't be 100%. Mm-hmm. So there's always going to be that night where you actually just went out and you didn't stretch or mm-hmm. you, you, you were sick or whatever. 100% is not the goal. But if you can get it 90% of the time, then you're going to get it in place. So ultimately what you're trying to learn is what's the mindset, the reset quickly and being 90% of all the time. So to recap, ultimately what you're trying to do is understand the habit you're trying to create define what it is clearly, so that's exactly what you're going to be doing, understand the objectives of that time, then what are the actions you'll be taking in the setup actions, like John's Mm. alarm, Uh, learn your resistance, and this is the really important part, because if you can learn your resistance and then develop strategies, and then practice your strategies, eventually you you won't won't go back to default, and your new default will be that behavior. Mm. And a good example of that, so I always talk about my morning meetings, so my morning Mm -hmm. meetings that I have myself. Present? Yep. And, um, and one thing I've realized lately is I haven't done it with the greatest intent. So my habit is good, but my intent, my, my focus is not great. Mm. So I, I'm ticking the box of doing it, but I'm not doing it to a level where I get the most value from it. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I'm trying to create for the new norm now is the intent is more more purposeful when I'm spending time doing that activity. Mm. Um, and so, you know, my default was actually doing the meeting, but I'm trying to make the intent the new default. 
And then, like, right now I've been focusing on that and for the last kind of couple of weeks and I'm doing really well with it. And so eventually that will just become a new default. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to do is we want to create the, the habit that we're trying to put into our life, a new default so that, you know, that you will never go back to your old level of habit. And mm-hmm. now obviously you'd want to learn how this works for you, but if you can put these steps in place, these things that you have good intentions around actually become the habit, which means you actually get the long-term change. Mm-hmm. Don't take the easy option. I've just got an email from somebody taking an easy option or something. I'm like, don't take the easy option. <laughs> <laughs> and the easy option for me, like I'm, I'm really working on my flexibility and, and hearing what you're saying because at the moment I really need to work on it and, it and it's always a challenge for me to keep that mm. momentum all the way through. And so, you know, I'm at the moment I'm trying to do So it. what's your resistance? Uh, it is literally, as you said, like getting my butt off the couch, just grab like a stretch... stretch um, Mainly, I've got to do hamstring, so it's yeah. grabbing my stretching band. And I'm, once I'm doing it, I'm fine. Yeah. It's literally moving from being comfortable but on the couch. But what's the resistance when you're on the couch? Like, what's stopping you? Uh, oh, more than lazy, laziness, more than anything. Okay. End, just of like, I'm, end of the day, I'm trying to relax. I'm sitting down, watching TV, and it's just going to take that bit okay. of effort to go and do that. Once I'm doing it, yeah, sweet, I'm fine. Yeah, but and, it's, 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 see there, so your resistance is tired, I've done a hard work today, I do mm. enough training, mm. you know, and so so you can kind of understand, so what's your best strategies? And then then I know that at the moment I'm doing it because I know if, if I don't, I'm going to get injured, but in a couple of months' time, once my flexibility is really good, that's when that resistance is going to be, I'm sweet, training's going okay, um, but then I need to just sort of think forward and go, if I keep this up, then I will be able to keep this training consistently rather than sort of yo-yoing up and down. So so, so in that moment to remind yourself the benefit mm. helps you yeah. and, and maybe even the cost. Yeah. Like if I don't do this, there's a chance that I could, you know, and so that's what we're trying to do is we're just trying to understand like just what strategies. And again, what I love about strategies is not all strategies work, but your job is to throw mud at the wall. Mm. So, you know, like if there's a 100% chance you're going to do that for the next month, mm. what are the strategies you're going to use? Now, sometimes you'll throw shit and that didn't work tonight. Mm. But, you know, this one here did. And, and the more you can understand your strategies, then what you're trying to do is, you know, put those dominoes in effect. Mm. So, yeah. So if you are somebody who has got that thing you know you should be doing or you tried to do and you've gone back to default, maybe work through those steps and see how you go. Anyway, John, let's move on. Uh, let's go into my, my first, first try. try. This is from the mountains now. My first try was 31 years ago. He's only 32. Yeah. He started young. On the August bank holiday in 1993 in a PT reservoir in the north. Pennine Hills. In the industrial city of Middlesbrough. I didn't have a clue what I was doing and nothing much has changed. We were standing around in the water waiting to start and I brought said to the guy next to me in my posh southern accent, it's my first triathlon. If you haven't met the mountain snail before, he, he has, has a, a great very accent. posh accent. He does. Oh, it's my first triathlon. Yeah, yeah he's got a great accent. Uh, it, well, it's bloody stupid one to choose, the guy replied yeah. in a northern accent. I lost my contact lenses in the swim, so I was half blind for the bike ride, which was probably a good thing. We hurled downhills on these sketchy corners, which were covered with loose gravel. I couldn't see any of it, so it didn't bother me at all. No mountain snow on this descent. After the race, I overheard a couple of the competitors talking to each other. How did your race go? 
Not so good. I knew things were bad when this lunatic came flying past me around one of those dodgy corners with uh, pannier bags. So that must have been his. Uh, that's, that's the sort of bags that go over the back of the back wheel. Like oh, you, really? You know, if you're commuting or you're going on bike touring and stuff like that, they're called pannier bags. So he literally so like, he still like, had the, the racks on there. Not Probably not the bags, but he had the pannier racks on there. I thought I'd been really pro taking my mud guards off my computer bike, on my commuter bike, but it was too hard to get my pannier bags off and lights off. So I let them go on. Uh, at the prize giving, they said the winner of the first novice was John High Hancock. He was our only novice, but well done. <laughs> Got to be into win. <laughs> so the guy in the reservoir was right. I still have the trophy I won for first elite male swim. It was my second triathlon in Abra. Abra, um, uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, just north of Leeds, uh, also in 1993. Could be your retro photo of the it's week. It's one of those real old school. It's like a wooden a plaque, plaque with, yeah. uh, you know, with the gold sort of embossed. Uh, what I love about it is they haven't lined up the the, the, the name of the triathlon in the. <laughs> they haven't. The, come on, that well, would they, do my they, head in. They may have done because it may have just been stuck on with a bit of double sided tape and, and fallen off. And, and John Hancock has, has well, not John, if that's your fault, sharpen up. up. Nothing I nothing does my head in more worse than like you go to someone's house up. in a photo frame. Oh uh, yeah. I used to have a client who I was doing like mentoring with. And we'd do it over Zoom. And behind her, she always had this picture behind her that was oh. just not aligned. Yeah. And I'd never seen anything, but it did my head. Oh, in. God. So there we go. So, so you go, if you've got uh, my first try story, please send them through. We'll do a post on um, Facebook at some stage and try, try to get a few more of them. That's a great one by John Hancock. It really uh, is. Back in the good old days. So What kind of level swimmer was John? Because he was obviously a good swimmer. He's always been a good swimmer. He's decent. I mean, his. All this stuff is not his now claim to fame. He can swim the bloody cook oh, straight. Yeah. He can do all this stuff. But, but I wonder as a kid. He swam it... flipping 1,500 metres straight butterfly or something like that on Epic Camp. Did he really? Mid camp. It was, it was somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500. Butterfly? Butterfly, continuous. And it was legit butterfly. I, I was watching and I was just. 1,500 metres? Yeah, yeah. It was more, it might have been 15. It was between 1,000 and 1,500 because you, you do 200 and you get a point or something. And then every. 25 or 50 I can't remember the point scoring system oh, so more. he's scheming the so system he's just ramping jackpotting the system and uh, got like seven and a half points for like a whatever it was a 1200 metres butterfly effort. and yeah the rules are it's got to be legit butterfly and he just was really efficient and able to keep moving it when I did butterfly I looked like I was having a, an, a fit mm. and I was humping yeah. it was not pretty we had uh, the weekend, or, or yesterday, or the day before, a world champion in the 400 metre individual medley yeah. um, at the World Swimming Champs in Doha, Lewis Clearboat, whatever his name yep. is. Uh, and you just see him doing butterfly. They had this overhead shot, and it's just like beautiful. It's just so really? smooth and really? rhythmical and just doesn't even look like it's he's working hard. That oh, was lovely. Um, what's his chance of winning gold? Because I know that some of the... A lot the of swimmers weren't there. So yeah. he'll, he'll make a final and he's got a chance at a medal. But um, same with that. We had the, the World Swimming Champs, first time Kiwis have ever won a gold medal. We got two gold medals. Um, and they... Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. Awesome. Now, this is not going to be great for our international listeners. But back in probably 1996, was it? Loder was 96, was Atlanta? Yeah, so Daniel Loder, New Zealand's greatest swimmer of all time. By a long way. Yeah, yeah. One, one, the 200-400. Which are the premium events, aren't they? Yeah. You know, yeah. like what was, because like even New Zealand knew it, but I mm. know, I knew nothing about swimming. Mm. So what was it at the time, because you would, you know, for you mm. who had come from swimming, what was it like? It, it was incredible. Um, like astronomical. Was he that good going into the Olympics? 
he was he was really good. Yeah. But um, and I don't. I'm not taking anything away. It wasn't like they weren't in rock stars. Like yeah. At, at yeah. Torpedo wasn't there yet. Yeah. yeah. And so he got in just before those real big rock stars came in. And so the times were were really good, but they weren't like he wasn't setting Olympic records or world yeah. records to win the medals. But still, Olympic oh, gold medal. Rock up. Everyone turns up at the Olympics. Yeah. Everyone is re- ready is is going. So it was amazing. He'd won a bronze at the previous Olympics in the 200 fly. I think it was bronze. Because yeah, what an like amazing, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. We don't if for American audience and stuff like that. We don't get many medals at the Olympics, and that especially in swimming. We've had what four or five in the history of the Olympics at most. He had three. Yeah, I think he he's almost the only one in the modern times. Anthony Moss didn't get any. No, he got. Did he get bronze? Uh, might have but got. Bronze. He was an American kid, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to research that, but let's go to Winger, Winger of the Week. No, I've actually picked I've, it. I've got one as oh. well. I'll do mine, you do yours. I've yeah. got Bonnie Cruz. Oh, don't we did Bonnie a few weeks ago. Okay, Bonnie, screw Bonnie's you. Bonnie's lovely. Bonnie, screw you. Yeah. <laughs> screw you, Bonnie, you're too good. <laughs> she was running last night. She was swimming this morning. Um, no, we did Bonnie a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I'll do number 20 because it's the 20th of the month today. You do 20. Niall Corrin uh, did 18 hours and 10 minutes of uh, training last week. Two hours 42 on the swim, 11 hours 31 on the bike, and three hours and 56 on the run. And Niall Corrin is a bit of a weapon when it comes to the running uh jeez i'm not going outside i'm not going cycling in that it's like gale force winds out there uh he is from dunbourne which i think's in ireland but it also says meath in portugal so maybe he moves around a bit uh he's an irish triathlete slash duathlete national 70.3 champ times two um his 5k time 14.34 Wow. That's not pissing around. <laughs> that's, that's pretty decent. 10K, 31, 20, also not pissing around. And uh, 10K off the bike, 31, 50, so only 30 seconds difference. So clearly a pretty speedy dude, especially on the running front. Um, what is quite cool, and I haven't really noticed this before, you can actually go through swim, bike and run for particular years and uh, see how many activities and distances you've done. Like for example, so far this year on the bike, I've done 30 rides and I've done 1,077 kilometres. Old um, Niall there has only done 21 rides at uh, a distance of 120 kilometres. When we look at the running side of it, we're not going to compare times because uh, he is an absolute weapon. And if we look at last year in terms of running, he did 188 runs for 2,196 kilometres and I did 177 runs for 1,719 kilometres. So um, there you go. So a bit of a weapon on the running front, a bit of a weapon duathlete and triathlete. So Niall Corrin, you are our winner of the week. Okay, so I found out. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. If Anthony Moss might have got a bronze in the 200 butterfly Okay. Before that, it would have been going back to like Paul Kingsman and yesteryear. Okay. So we've had six Olympic medals in this pool. Yeah. Two gold. Daniel Loder. No, three gold. Oh, the other one, that will be well that, that female. Um, no, Malcolm Chap- Champion. Uh, oh, yeah. In 1912. He, <laughs> right. He was in the 4-200 relay team. Oh, right. Yeah. And they hit the Australasia team back yeah, in those days, didn't they? Yeah. Hey, it counts. <laughs> His family will care about that. <laughs> uh, then we had Gene Stewart in the yeah. bronze and backstroke in 52 in Helsinki. Right. That's then, still probably still was an Australian team. Almost. And you did actually pick the other two. So in 88 in Seoul, 
So Anthony Moss, Moss bronze, yeah. He was a, he, he was a Kiwi, but he was no, he was a Kiwi. He just went to university in the states. But he had the accent. Yeah, he did have the accent. Yeah, yeah. he was one of. The, did he just go over there and pick up the accent straight away? Yeah, yeah. He went to university for the states for a long time, and then I think he stayed over there. I'm not sure if he's based over there. He's got a cool accent. Um, he always and Paul Kingsman. So I don't know Paul much about Paul Kingsman. He was backstroker, and he got he got bronze in the 200, and then Lodi. What got, year was he? Uh, uh, 88 soul. Oh, soul as well. Yeah. Right. Okay. Loda got 200, and what? Uh, what did he get his bronze in? 200 fly. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was the Olympics before. And then he won the freestyle in the next Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he didn't do midley. No, no, big difference there. But no, there's a good good crossover between butterfly and, and endurance freestyle swimming. Yeah. Yeah. Four hundred free, two hundred fly. So loaded by far. Uh, Mm. Yeah, so there you go. There you go. So there's it's the history of your, swimming, new, new segment. History of swimming in New Zealand. New Zealand history lesson. <laughs> okay, John. Let's say thank you. Oh, your swim set. Swim that set. You wrote it at five twelve this morning. Uh, we did an easy one today. A few people were, were on the edge, so we did warm up was a hundred freestyle, fifty backstroke, breaststroke, fifty kick twice through. And then we did 650s drill, doing a bit of uh, zipper drill and a bit of fingertip drill. A lot of people's elbows and hands are going too wide, so we're just trying to tighten that up a little bit. And then it's a, a fine line, because you don't want to come across as well, eh? You do, but a lot of people are getting sloppy. The elbows are so low and the hands are so wide and you whack each other. And, oh, okay. and then when you do that, then your hands come in and they go cross over at the front. So we're just trying to get those elbows and the hand entry point a bit tidier. Then the main set was 400 easy, which some people struggle with, like easy. So it's 400 easy, 200 moderate, <laughs> 250s hard. We did that <laughs> twice through. Um, I won't mention any names. Uh, Rhymes with? <laughs> Two 100 IMs, easy, and then the last bit we did was a 600, where you went 50 easy, 50 moderate, 50 hard, 200 warm down, 3.2 case. Okay, that's good times. We want to say thank you to our patrons. Uh, we'll go Ian Cashing and Banks. Anna, the Theropod, Dumalopos. And then Alex, the Master Blaster Pool. If you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.imtalk.me. If you want to get some great coaching, go to coachjohnnewson.com or epiccamp.com for his cool camps. Anything I do, bevanjamesisles.com. And you can email us at imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Jumbo, your goss. Um, some people have seen just this morning I posted uh, the challenge rote camp that we're we'll doing in oh, 2025 yeah. uh, I have to get my entries sorted um, by the middle of this year so if you want to get on this camp it's almost it's not impossible to get into the race but it's not one of those ones that sells out in seconds so but with the camp you get an automatic slot to go into the race if you want to go to rote next year 2025 uh, you need to sign up very, very soon I think that list is probably going to fill up pretty quickly um, if you want to get on it you need to get it sorted Gossip, Bevan, mm, uh, don't know much. I had a very quiet weekend. I, I, I'm, I'm an active relaxer. Yep. And like I'm just sitting around going. You get lost, don't you? Nothing. What do, what do I do? Yeah. I need something to do. Yeah, what do you do? I didn't really, um, I just sort of faffed around. And you feel like you're wasting your life, don't you? Yep, you do. Yeah. But I did spend some quality time with my wife. That was that was great. Well, that's good. Um, so we Important. did that. And what do you do when you have quality time? Well, it was actually than, it was like wedding, wedding anniversary as well. The oh, weekend. How long was that? 18, 18 years. Jeez. Um, went out for a bit of a bike ride, but yeah, really just, uh, you did, lost soul. Yeah, I was at the weekend. Get some gardening done. I didn't even do any gardening. Oh, come on, use it. Yeah. Watch any good shows. We finished up Boy Eats Universe or something oh, like that. Like yeah, it was good. It's quite quick, isn't it? Apparently it's 50-50. Apparently the book was 50-50 made up true, okay. true story. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's kind of definitely got some truth to it. It was, um, yeah, it was worth a watch. Yeah. That was about it, Bevan. John, uh, you'll be proud of me. You? 
We're yep. proud of it. Proud of Always our gambling team. Yeah, we had a really good night on Saturday night. We caught up for the Haycox, one of our friends, and we went out for dinner because they they kids look kids were out of the house. So we went mm-hmm. out for dinner. We went to the Elmwood Pub. Oh God, we went high end. <laughs> <laughs> high we had to book me, so we thought we'll go to book me. Yeah. But we went to Elmwood Pub first. Elmwood Pub's good pub, good pub food. It was actually really good food. And then we went to New Regent Street. Mm-hmm. New Regent Street is like an old old street, isn't it? But yeah. been. Different, being really cool. So cool little bars retro. and cafes, retro. Yeah, retro is the word. Um, painting and lighting and stuff. So it's really cool. So we went there and then they got some gins and I got a um, rocket rollicking gelato dessert. Yeah, and that was good. And then they had a live band playing, so it was mm-hmm. a beautiful night. It was like perfect. And then we Joe had a fifty dollar casino voucher, so we thought go to the casino after that. Yeah. So go to the casino. Joe turns out she didn't have a voucher; she just uh, expired. So we got a fifty. We we got fifty out, and Haycock's got twenty, I think. But Joe didn't have the heart to tell them that we <laughs> think it expired. So, <laughs> so we we bit poorly. Yeah, poorly, John. Poorly. Mm-hmm. We, we we did okay at the, at the what's the roulette wheel? We did roulette okay, wheel. Really? Yeah. We kind of doubled our money, and then we went. Well, let's go into pokies. Pokies are a waste of money. Yeah, never go near the pokies. Ah, John. Pointless. So we're down to fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. My mate Mark goes, can I do, can I do blackjack? And we're, like, mm. we're ready to go, so yeah, away we go. You've hey, got to play the odds and blackjack. If you want to get me angry, it's when people don't play the odds and blackjack. Here we go. What do you mean? Well, it's just, there's just certain things you've got to do in terms of splitting your cards, doubling down, and, all, and knowing when to sit. you got to know when to hold him. What do you, okay, well, I know nothing about when you know to sit. If the dealer has a six, for example... Yep. Is their first card. You sit on whatever you've got. If you've got twelve, you sit because they're going to go. The over. Odds are they're going to bust because okay. either, there's more tens in the pack than anything else. Yep. So chances are they're going to pull like an eight, nine, or ten. Then they have to draw again. Okay. Because they've got less than okay. seventeen. So you just sit. Sit. And people like drawing cards when they've got seventeen and the dealer's got a six. I'm like, what are you doing? Well, that is infuriating. You, you and my mate Marky Mark would be good friends. I'll go, I'll go there. Because Marky Mark goes in with $15. And every time he won, we took money off him. So he only needed 15 to bet with every time. Mm-hmm. He won 12 hands in a row. Nice. 12 in a row. Yeah, yeah. good. If we, if we compounded it, we would have got 30 grand. Yes, you've got to keep increasing your bet each yeah. time. So if you won 10, your next bet needs to be 15. You take a bit away, put it in the pocket. Well, I was taking everything away. Sw- no, you got to, you got to yeah. just keep upping it, upping it, upping it. Well, I wish I had because yeah. basically... That's, did you not know how I became a millionaire? Yeah. <laughs> That's how you did it. <laughs> because, because he literally went... Because I said to him, you keep winning and then we stop. Yeah. So we end up walking out with a couple hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. We, nice. we, 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 like, we, we were down and out. Paid for the Helmwood pub. We paid for the Helmwood <laughs> pub. <laughs> and my rolling gelato. And... Um, we couldn't believe it. He was just yeah. winning and winning and winning, and then he lost. We're like, okay, we're out. And we yeah. and I had, I had a big pile of because it's quite a big pile by the end yeah. of it. I was loving it. Nice. Twelve. What do you reckon your most in a row would be? Oh, I wouldn't have a clue, but yeah, I wouldn't have a clue. Do you ever do the? Do you ever do the bit on the double hand? Someone else's hand? Or yeah, because well, it, it seems no. You, it seems like what you can do is you play your hand. You got and then in front of it's got this like any doubles. So if they if they beat you, if they, you put one chip down, oh, right. and if they deal you a double, like you super get sevens and stuff. Nah, don't do that. You get eleven chips back. Nah, this seems pretty risky to me. Mm-hmm. I, I I I hate gambling. I'm not a gambler because mm-hmm. I don't know it's money, but I love watching it. Mm-hmm. I find it so fascinating. There's one guy in the poking machines. Not a word of lie. We had three thousand bucks yeah. gambling it down. Yeah, like, take the money and run. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't believe it. 
So anyway, good night. Good good night out, John. Very good. Anyway, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Midon. Train hard. Train smart. Kicker. Kicker.